This episode of the FNRs podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Order delicious looking meals like the garlic herb butter steak and lobster tails or the spinach gnocchi with heirloom tomatoes. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome back to the Epic Nerds Podcast with the most dynamic duo in all of podcasting. My name is Nick Venizio, and sitting across from me is my guy, Martin Morana. What's up, bro? How we doing? Good, good. Today, we are reviewing The Suicide Squad, but before we get started, make sure you guys check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys get your podcasts from, and always keep an eye out for that big, beautiful FN logo. That's right. Today, we're talking The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for The Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad. Not Suicide Squad. Not 2016 Trainwreck Suicide Squad. <laughs> the Suicide Squad. Yes. The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So this is the famous Suicide Squad. Well, we consider that term degrading. The official term is Task Force X. Love him or hate him, these are your brothers and sisters for the next few days. So we went to go see this, obviously, at our at our home away from home, Lincoln Square. Our favorite theater, favorite theater in the whole world. Of all time. Yes. The big-ass IMAX. Uh, saw it with a really good crowd, even though not a lot of people checked out the Suicide Squad theories this weekend. Uh, but the crowd was great, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's kind of a pro and con kind of thing when you go to a theater because sometimes you sit next to these people that just aren't the best. Like, for, for me and Josh... We sat next to this one dude who had the worst BO in the world. Those are nerds, bro. Those, I know those are nerds. When it comes to superhero movies, I cannot tell you how many times that's happened. There was even one time, and I'm sure Chris is going to listen back to this, where we watched, I believe it was Age of Ultron. We went to see it, and the guy in front of us smelled so fucking bad. And you can even see, like, his hair was so crusty and greasy. You can see, like, the clumps of, like, lint and oh, shit. Oh, no. Because it's like a silhouette movie theater, right? You just see, like, the outline stuff. Yeah. But you can see the gunk in his hair. I oh, believe it was either God. Age of Ultron or it was Force Awakens. I can't really remember, but the dude smelled so bad. Oh, that's awful. And it happens bro. all the time. I know like, it does. Because, you know, these these fucking nerds are playing video games from 12 a.m. to, like, literally 4 p.m. Right. Right before they go right to before see they the, got. Yeah, they're not showering. They're sitting down. They got the pits going. And yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta love it on one end because it's all these sweaty nerds. You but at the to, same bro. time, you're like, fucking wash your balls, bro. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> bro. Actually, there was this one time where I went to the theater, and I literally got stuck next to the same guy for two movies in a row. I went to go see Godzilla. Uh-huh. This was in 2014. I went to go see Godzilla. This dude sat next to me. Total fucking nerd. Was geeking out about everything that happened on screen. And then a couple weeks later. X-Men Days of Future Past comes out, gets stuck next to the same dude, bro. How do you it, know it's the same dude? Because you just remember? I, I, just, I just remember, bro. I yeah. just remember this guy just geeking out over Godzilla and same fucking thing. Dude's bawling his eyes out while he's watching Days of Future Past. Uh, spoiler alert, guys, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Nick and I met. Fucking nerd. Bro. Yes, that's how we met. Uh-huh. But to add to that one, I'll say one more. Um, and this happens a lot in movie theaters, but when people put their feet up on the seat. Look, if there's no one sitting in front of you, I actually don't really mind it too much. I'm like, you know, you want to get comfortable, that's totally fine. 
But if there's someone sitting in front of you, like, don't put your fucking feet next to their head. I know, bro. But one time it happened. There was nobody sitting in front of this person. However, this person had the audacity to take off their fucking shoes and their socks. Oh, bro. And their socks. They had their fucking toes out there wiggling, you know. And I'm sure there were probably some people with foot fetishes who were enjoying it. But (laughs) I was like, you're a fucking animal. That's fucking gross, Like, this is not a fucking zoo. This is a movie theater. Like, you want to take your shoes off? Like, uh, maybe. But you go ahead and take out your socks? Oh, my God. Bro, there's a really good... Fucking hyenas, bro. There's a really good Bill Burr skit where he talks about people on the plane when they take off their shoes and they have those gold-toe socks and how he just wants to take off those gold-toe socks (laughs) and just wrap it around their neck and choke them out. I have gold-toe socks. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross, though. It's fucking disgusting. Live action right here. Boom! Look at that. There it is. Gold-toe socks. I'm wearing it right now. I just whipped it off in the movie theater. Jesus Christ. However, I'm not taking my shoes off since we got back to the gym. Yeah. So I'm going to put my shoes back on. Yeah, bro. Keep those shoes on, bro. I don't want to smell that shit. Yeah. I want it to be like a sweaty nerd situation in the movie theater where like people are just fucking smelling and shit. Take off my shoes, take off my socks, use the lint in between my toes and whatnot. All right. Gross. Uh, but yeah, bro. So for the Suicide Squad, uh, I think our expectations were pretty high for this. It yes, was, very high. It was on our, our list for our most anticipated of the year. And we sort of always had faith in this movie regardless of the fact that Suicide Squad wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. I'm being nice. It kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Birds just of Prey. Just a little bit. It wasn't too. Just, just a little bit. No, just a little bit. Uh, and then Birds of Prey for both of us was very underwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, just so, a flat, boring movie in my opinion. And there's there's actually a lot of people. Biker Boys. Biker Boys coming Creed by. Baby. Uh, but there are a lot of people that, that did enjoy Birds of Prey. I think Birds of Prey has, has kind of garnered this like cult following. I mean, it's not it's not a terrible movie. No. It's not by any means a bad movie. No, I, just but I, think I, know, I know people that love it. I though. just think it's very flat and boring. Yeah. That's all it is, you know. But there are some good moments in it. Um, but for me, just overall, it didn't really work. And classic Martin Moreno seeing the same movie in theaters that he did not like a gazillion times. I was just talking to Chris and... The kid will never live down the fact that I saw Justice League, Justice League, Justice League, in theaters three times. He would never let me live it down. But yeah, I saw Birds of Prey like three fucking times. I know, all did. within like a week. I think. Yeah, yeah. One of them was in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably more enjoyable. Uh, no, Spanish did not make the movie. <laughs> no, it didn't make it better. No, nope, it did not. Damn. Maybe the accents. Maybe like the uh, the Spanish voiceover was a little bit more fun because he yeah. was like, <laughs> "That's how they say that." That's interesting. <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, still not not the best. But for the Suicide Squad, James Gunn being at the helm, mm-hmm. we kind of figured that this was going to be something special. Yeah, it's kind of in this wheelhouse, you know. When you look at what he did over at Marvel, he's he's used to um he deal he dealt with two sort of misfits movies mm-hmm. and did a really good job with them. So yeah, it was kind of in this wheelhouse, I think for sure. Well, with all that said, man, let's get into our review for the Suicide Squad. Robert Dubois, he put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your damn Suicide Squad. We'll see. We failed the mission. You die. What hell was that? Love him or hate him. Nom nom. These are your brothers and sisters. A guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. It's not a toilet seat, it's a beacon of freedom. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Reef Prison join the super secret, super shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at a remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. The Suicide Squad is written and directed by James Gunn and stars Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, Daniela Melchior, 
David Dasmachin, Sylvester Stallone, and Viola Davis. The film currently holds a 92% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 85%. You can now see it in theaters or on really? HBO Max. 85% audience score? Yeah. Really? I thought it'd be higher. You think it's low? I think it's very low, yeah. Oh, uh, we can get into a little bit of that as to That's why. That's very interesting. God, fucking, I already, oh my fucking God. Mm. Martin, relax. Just relax, bro. Relax. Relax. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into all <sighs> Nick, of this why are you stuff. ruining my day? Bro. It's gonna be I had fun. a good day, bro. Good gym day. Had some good food. You made some really great dinner, some pasta and steak, and now you're fucking ruining bro, it, Nick. It's going to be fine. God damn it. It's going to be fine. Well, while you're all worked up, Martin, lead us off. Give me some of your positives for The Suicide Squad. Some of my Squad. positives for the movie are going to be very, very generic answers, and that is, you know, the character was a lot of fun. I thought the acting was really, really good. Um, I thought Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is just so much fun, and I think this is probably by far the most kind of cynical portrayal that we've had of her to date. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where you sort of realize like, oh, that's right, she's fucking out of her this mind. This bitch is fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've dealt with crazy girls in my life. Right, bro, right. So I know crazy. <laughs> Hopefully none like her, bro. That she ain't uh, no. just gonna turn around, you're gonna get a fucking bullet in the chest. One of them did box me in a park at a Papa John's parking lot one time. In so Papa John's? Papa John's she couldn't have picked lot. a better restaurant? No, well, I went to pick up a piece and she followed me there and boxed <laughs> me in. It was, it was a terrifying moment. Oh, I've just, actually heard that story before. Yeah, you have heard that story. <laughs> But yes, I've uh, I've had my fair share of that. Um, but yeah, I think I think Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is just such a fun character. I thought this is probably by far my favorite portrayal of her. I thought also my favorite look so far. For sure, yeah. I still like the uh, the first costume that we get of her with the uh, leather jacket. Oh, when she's on the beach with the bazooka yeah. and everything. But uh, but I thought she was great. I thought Joel Kinnaman was great. Like I said, all the performances, all the characters, I really enjoyed. King Shark for me absolutely stole the show. Yes. He's someone who I was looking forward to since day one, since I first saw that image from DC fandom last year yep. of King Shark smiling and waving. In, in the fucking swim, in the swim fucking pants. swim shorts. It became yeah. my Twitter banner. I became obsessed. I fucking love sharks. Um, Little fun fact. I, did, I think this was maybe two or three years ago where I would always send you like shark videos on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, bro. And then you start getting all these fucking shark pages following you. <laughs> That's right. I love sharks. I absolutely love them. And just King Shark here was such a blast. I thought Sylvester Stallone did such a good job. Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Rick Flagg, just once again, I, I'm actually a really big Joel Kinnaman fan. Me too. Man. I like him in everything that, he, that he's in. And I really, really liked him as this character. Have some issues with it happen that we will get into. But uh, but yeah, like I said, very generic answers. I thought everyone was great. But shout out to Idris Elba because I think this is my favorite Idris Elba performance that mm -hmm. we've had in a really long time. For sure. I Even though I like him as an actor, I think he's a little bit of a yes man. I think anything that kind of comes his way, he just kind of agrees to. If it's like a starring it. role, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. He just does it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of caused him to have a very up and down career mm -hmm. in the past five years. Or past, you know, decade or so, ever since he kind of splashed onto the uh, television cinematic screen. Yeah, because like for as many hits as he has, he also has a lot of misses. Right. You know? um, but, but you know, he did a he was killing on television for a while. He was, yeah. Yeah, and then ever since he kind of came on to a ever since he came on TV, he though or film, so to speak, he's uh like we said, kind of been like up and down. Right. But I thought this was by far my favorite performance of his in a really long time. I don't know if it's my favorite overall so far i have to really think about it yeah but it's my favorite that i've seen Idris alba in um in a movie in a long time uh and aside from those sort of generic answers of like oh the acting was great the characters were great i really love how this movie was structured um, yeah where essentially the movie was essentially there were there were a couple scenes that were going on 
that were told from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So you had like this, you had the same scene going on being told from this perspective, from this point of view, and then flashing back to like another perspective, another point of view. And I thought that was really fun. Yeah, so, I, I think one of the best cases of that is at the end when you have the stuff going on in the basement with Thinker, mm-hmm. Rick Flag, Peacemaker, and then eventually it goes back upstairs to see what what was going on at that same time right. with Bloodsport, Harley, King Shark. And it was just like, that was probably one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie was that kind of cross-cutting. Right, and it's uh, it's very sort of comic book-ish. Yeah. yeah. Very like, meanwhile, over here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought James Gunn just really tapped into his his like comic book glove, you know, for this movie. And it it we're gonna actually I'm gonna hold off until I talk about, you know, this movie and how it feels in regards to the overall universe. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just my sort of generic answers for now in regards to I really like the characters. I thought the portrayal of these characters was really well done. And yeah, like I said, I really love the uh, the structure of the film. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing with the characters is, and this is a kind of a James Gunn specialty, is obviously he deals with all these misfits, mm-hmm. but he injects a lot of humanity into them. Right. So case in point being David S. Machin's Polka Dot Man, you know, a completely ridiculous character from the comics, someone that you wouldn't think would be that compelling to have on screen, but it's a credit to James Gunn's writing and Das Machin's performance that you just really feel for this guy. And when he gets fucking squashed at the end, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. It fucking blows, dude. Like I like I hated seeing him go. Well, that's something that we should mention. It's just really how much heart is in this movie. There's so much heart. Yeah, it, it really. And, it, and again, and, and we've seen James Gunn do this with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies of how he just injects a sort of like horror and a sort of like family relationship aspect to his characters mm-hmm. and to the film. And to me, I'm not the biggest fan of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think that was too James Gunny. And yeah. it was really like kind of like every other line was a joke. Right. And I think a lot of the movie got old for me real quick. And I just thought it, kind of, it was too off the rails for me. This movie is also very off the rails and it is very James Gunny, but it's sort of contained and it's somewhat controlled. And I think a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie works good in context to the overall picture. I think so too. I also think it was a really smart move to sort of have the entire movie take place in one location. In the fake island of Cordo Maltese, which we get in the Dark Knight Returns comics. Which we do. Uh, you know, but it's basically we're just on Corto Maltese the entire time. And then every now and then we'll flash back to Belle Reeve with yeah, Amanda Waller and then, mm-hmm. and then that whole that whole squad. But having it all take place here, I think, really helped in terms of the pacing, the flow and then like the structure. Like, I mean, even even like the, I thought the title cards were awesome, how they yeah. kind of just did these different title cards to kind of signify this is a new section. Like we're jumping to an- another part of the movie, which right. was really cool. Opening up to different parts of the comic. Book. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, and then my next positive would just be James Gunn, Mm -hmm. his directing, his writing. I thought he did such a fantastic job and we, we expected him to be like at the top of his game with this, but this just has a different vibe. Like I saw some people trying to say, this is just an R rated guardians. And I don't think it really is. Not at all. Like if you want to say, Oh yeah, it deals with a misfit group and everything. Like I get that, but that's just James Gunn style. That's just Mm -hmm. what he does. So you come to expect that, but there's something about this where he's able to take this insane over-the-top gory action mix it with comedy mix it with drama with horror with brutality and just have it all work like this movie could easily have been a mess with uh lesser hands at the helm absolutely but because of him and because of his experience he's just able to really make it all work a part of that i think goes into that he really wanted to focus on john ostrander's run of the suicide squad like that's the kind of the run that's really influenced here also, bro, John Ostrander has a nice cameo in the beginning of the film. If you didn't catch it, he plays the doctor that injects the bomb into Savant's head. 
Oh my god, that's right. Yep. Holy shit, that fucking crazy ass hair. Yeah. How did I miss that? <laughs> oh, that's so right. That's so true. That's such a good call. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. You fail to follow my orders in any way, and I detonate the explosive device in the base of your skull. Good dog. And then the other cool thing was he really pulled from this movie called The Dirty Dozen. Now, The Dirty Dozen was made in 1967, and if you guys don't know it, just listen to this logline real quick and tell me if it sounds familiar. During World War II, a rebellious U.S. Army major is assigned a dozen convicted murderers to train and lead them into a mass assassination mission of German officers. Boom. Like that's Killing Nazis. Killing Nazis. And what's cool is if you look at the poster for a Dirty Dozen, it's the same exact poster as the one I have out in the, out in the living room. It's got that the same vibe The one that just came in it. yesterday. The one just came in yesterday, man. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, so just for someone who hates Warner Brothers a lot, you do sure have a lot of Warner well, Brothers. Well, Warner Brothers was my favorite studio. Fraud was, and I liked a lot of the movies that they made. Like they have <laughs> a lot of my favorite franchises under their under their house. Just it's a shame that they suck. Nixon denial, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very Nixon much in denial. denial. But yeah, so because he had all these influence kind of going into it and he knew exactly what he wanted to do, there's such a clear vision for this movie and what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Warner Brothers did not fuck with him when he was making this movie, you could tell that he really got to do what he wanted to do on it. Right. I do have some pushback on that though. I know you have pushback. my personal opinion. I don't agree with you, but I know, I but, know. um, but, um, all right, well, uh, we will we'll eventually definitely talk about that. We will eventually get to that. Uh, so also wanted to highlight the special effects are great. Yes. Between King shark, who looks awesome. Like in terms of being a full CG, you character. have those, uh, you have those apes moments where it's very close up and you see like the texture and the scale. Yeah. And like the, everything. even like some of the night shots where the, the moonlight's reflecting off mm-hmm. the skin, like just looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Starro, bro. Colorful as fuck. Colorful very as fuck, vibrant, but it works. But it works so good. And I thought, I totally agree with you. I thought the VFX were, uh, were really well done. Especially when you have all those CG rats. Yeah. It's not easy to CG fur. It's really not easy and to they CG did, uh, fur. And they did a really good job to, uh, to make all those rats work. But I want to go back to what you said about the sets. Yeah. Because I think there are some very great sets here. There's so many good sets. And my personal favorite is the one that we discussed after the movie, which is the Underground Lab at Jotunheim. Because that is a straight up fucking horror movie. You have, you know, the corpses being controlled by the starfish aliens you have a corpse that's like literally missing half its lower body the other one has like its face ripped off by the starfish and it just like it was very eerie it was very like there was like such a sense of dread and like horror in that special in that particular sequence with all these sort of zombies being trapped with everything that was going on the color palette the feel i thought was really really well done and it just again aside from the guardians um aspect of james gunn's career you know his sensibility that of like movies that he did with slither right you know there were so many callbacks to movies like slither super Mm -hmm. guardians that he um that he in like that he um injected into this movie and yeah just to also to go back to what you said of how people are saying this is an r-rated guardians yeah you can't bring that sort of like edgy sensibility that r-rated edgy sensibility that he brought to harley Mm -hmm. to like gamora or to nebula you can't do that yeah Yeah. you can make them you can make both those characters more badass right you know you can make them chop someone's head off with their swords brutal yeah more brutal shit but you can't bring that sort of like cynical aspect that harley quinn has to those characters you just can't so if you want to say that that's that's totally fine i disagree with you because i think each character in this movie has a certain sensibility and james gunn played to it very well like he wrote them very well based on like the core qualities of those characters so i get like i said to kind of reiterate i just i thought harley there was a moment here 
in this movie when Harley Quinn kills the Spanish dude and she's like the uh, the president. Oh, that the, yeah, marry. El Presidente, yes. And she's giving her whole red flag speech about, you know, like all these guys that she's going to kill them if, if she... If, if a red flag pops up and she's talking to this corpse and it was just so like eerie eerie it's, yeah. it was fucking creepy yes. how she's talking this is fucking corpse and the way it was done and her her acting everything about it i just thought was like really good and it was and like i said it was my by far my favorite portrayal of harley that we've gotten um in the dceu Recently, I made a promise to myself that the next time I got a boyfriend, I'd be on the lookout for red flags. And if I saw any, I would do the healthy thing. And I would murder him. And killing kids, it's kind of a red flag. I know, I know, I know what you're trying to say. Harley, why not just leave? And I'd say, why are you screaming at me? I'm not deaf, I'm standing right here. And then I'd say, when your taste in men is as bad as mine, they don't just go away quietly. They slash your tires and they kill your dogs and tell you that the music you like ain't real music at all and all the cruelty. Tears you apart after a while. No, I would definitely agree. And then jumping back to, to the Jotunheim set, uh, and like you said with James Gunn with Slither, like there's really good body horror like yes. in this movie, like like a surprising amount between the lab and then also with Polka Dot Man with his like polka dots that are coming. Yeah, out it's of very his skin. very Cronenbergy. Yeah, you know, like a lot of like old school flavor, like old school like mutated body dysmorphia yeah. that's going on. Um, even like fucking Robocop when you want yeah. to think of the guy that's, coming that's out right, of the yeah. bed, <laughs> which traumatized me Oh, but That still freaks me out. It's, it's, still, oh, it's still creepy, bro. Terrible. But, uh, but yeah, man, so really good job all around by uh, by James Gunn, by the cast, by everything. And there was so much to love about this movie. Yeah, and then even the um, even when we get the little video in the beginning when like the the president and his general are like watching that, yes. that thing, and it's like the... With Starro when he gets captured, and then the little ones that come out and attach themselves to the to the astronauts. Mm -hmm. I can watch a whole movie on that. I can watch a whole movie Some on like that. Some like Sputnik, alien type of film, right? Uh, taking but place but in like space. the way it was done and like how they move and stuff, it reminded me of a monster movie from like the 1950s. Yeah, like it had that sort of vibe to it, which I love that he kind of injected that little flavor into yeah, it. Yeah, so well. like we're saying, you know, whether it's the body, like this, not body dysmorphia, but like the body, like. What, what like distortion is that a good word of saying it that we have the body the, mutation the body mutation sure body mutation distortion that we got going on with Pokemon man that reminded me of like old school horror like mm -hmm. i said like i like i just there were so many moments where i was thinking of like cronenberg whether it was like the brood whether whether it was mm. the fly yeah, and stuff like that that sure. just really popped up when i was watching this film another thing i just want to highlight real quick the action mm -hmm. the action is very well done uh harley has Arguably the best scene in the movie with the whole javelin fight where she's kind of fighting out of that that compound. Where she's breaking out. She's mm -hmm. breaking out. And then as, the, no joke, bro, the first time I saw this, as we were watching it, I'm watching this scene and I'm like, this is what Birds of Prey wished it was with the fight scenes and the action. Even though in Birds yes. of Prey, I did love uh, some of the fights that she did with the bat. And I do like a lot of the police station mm -hmm. shenanigans that she gets into in that movie. I'm watching this and I'm like... This is how you do a fucking fight scene with Harley Quinn. Well, that's what I said that when when she snorts the heroin yeah. or the cocaine and she goes crazy, like that little snippet, mm -hmm. you can go back to her Harley Quinn review, right. that little snippet of um when she snorts the cocaine and she beats everyone up with the bat, 
The movie should have been that. It should have been the that. The whole movie should have had that sort of identity and that feel because to me, that felt like Harley. Like sniffing this cocaine, going crazy, and just absolutely wrecking shop with this fucking baseball bat. Right. And yeah, here, it's so insane. It's so over the top. I was so curious watching the trailers what the fuck the flowers the were flowers all about. Were, yeah. I wasn't sure if maybe it was, it was like an explosion or something that happened and it right was being, and there was like flowers around her that just yeah, blew up but yeah. the the flowers substituted the blood at times yes like blood that was splurting out were, were now flowers and, and, there and, were, and there's little, no there's a, little, i would say there's little animated birds there's flying little around, birds going, yeah. which um this is a terrible thing to bring up but it's very reminiscent of what james gunn did in movie 43 even though movie 43 <laughs> is terrible and his short had an animated cat fucking his own ass with a broom um he i mean he had a little bit of experience right, yeah. of bringing this animation <laughs> yeah. to like a real world movie right, so right. unfortunately when i saw that i'm like oh my god it reminded me of movie 43, movie 43 no but the but that sequence like you said it's it's so like wacky and kooky but it does work again it, you can't do that with I say, bro, in the context of the movie, it just works. And this is not a slight at like Marvel because Marvel's great at what they do. Yeah. But you're never going to see Marvel do a movie like The Suicide Squad. I, and I saw people saying that and some, you know, crazy Marvel fans were like, well, they're going to have Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3 is not even going to be no. like what The Suicide Squad is. This movie just is so fucking out there at times. Like, And we didn't even talk about the great peacemaker bloodshot kill off as right. they're running through the camp. It's so just one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's so good, but it's also fucking dark. Like I'm like, I, I, it watched, I watched this a couple times. And I'm like, this is really like, I think the brutal moment, shit. and I don't know what this says about, you know, like film and society and whatever, but the moment when they just straight up kill the, the woman, the first woman. Yeah. I'm like, you don't see that. No, in film. you don't. You always see like whenever it comes to like sort of refugee camps or those types of scenes in film, it's always dudes getting killed. Right. So then just seeing a woman get killed, it's just like it it, it does take you by surprise. It's a little, a little jarring, bit. especially yeah. the one that's just washing dishes. Yeah, just my whole yeah. business. And I don't want to say it's a criticism or maybe more of a nitpick, but like these people are all standing 10 feet away from each other. I know, bro. It's like, how do they no not one know? notices that they're like, there's a whole bunch of people getting yeah. murdered behind them. It's that comic book logic. Yeah, you know but then, I mean? yeah. but the reveal that they were all the freedom fighters. Yes. Oh my God. That got a huge laugh in the theater. It was hysterical. Yeah. And just like King Sharp popping his head in into <laughs> yeah. the tent, spitting out the finger. It yep. was so good. <laughs> What the hell are you doing here? Walla told us that you were, uh, are you drinking tea? This is Sol Soria. She's the leader of the Freedom Fighters, the resistance trying to take down the current government. They, they saved my life. Oh, well. Why did my people not alert me of your arrival? We didn't see any people. Yeah, I didn't see anybody yeah, There's no one out there camping. I turned them into my mother right. in my head and killed them. Last thing I want to highlight, the score and the soundtrack. Yes. The score by John Murphy. John Murphy has not done a, a soundtrack for a movie in a long time. He did a lot of Danny Boyle movies back in the day. I'm pretty sure he did Sunshine, which Adagio in D minor, I think that's what it's called. Such most a, recently used in Wonder Woman. Most recently used in that. It's very true. Uh, he did that. He did 28 Days Later. So he's... He, he really like had a really awesome, uh, I guess, composer career at the start of it. And then all of a sudden he kind of like vanished. And I don't know like what if he did, if he went to TV, if he did commercials, I'm not sure like what, what he went to. But this is kind of his first big movie back. And I thought he just crushed it. I've been listening to the soundtrack all weekend. I absolutely yes, love it. Yes, it's a really, really good soundtrack. Well, um, I guess I should say score. Cause, score. Because the soundtrack 
has some fucking bangers in it. You know, you got Johnny Cash, the Pixies, Jim Carroll Band, Culture Abuse, Kansas, John Fratelli, John Fratelli, the, Decemberist, yeah. the Decemberist. Um, yeah, and me being a massive music nut, there were so many moments where like. I was like, oh my God, I love this song. <laughs> like, it was just such a good um, selection of, of songs that James Gunn uh, put together. But yeah, to just go back to what John Murphy did, I totally agree. I think he put together a really, really good um, original soundtrack for this movie. Um, one that sticks out to me is King Shark in the, I always forget what the name is, Claytrix? Yeah, or, it's, the, it's the little the little fish things. Hold on, guys. A few moments later. A few moments later. And we're back. The score is called King Shark in the Clarax. Mm -hmm. um, it's a scene where King Shark is like in that in Jotunheim and he's like looking at all these little in that aquarium, all these little setting, animals yeah. that turn out to be fucking savages. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I really love that score. It's like we were saying earlier that it has a kind of a Tim Burton feel to it. Right. And it also reminds me a lot of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. If you listen to like the harmonizing that goes on at the end of the Pan's Labyrinth film and throughout, like instantly I got sent back to Pan's Labyrinth because. For those who don't know, that's one of my favorite movies ever. Of all um, time. Of all time. The Squad Fight Back is also really good. Yep. And then Ratism, um, to me, it has like that sort of like Pixies type of intro. Like the riff is very Pixies-like. It Pixies -like. does, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, overall, really great soundtrack from John Murphy. Well, that one specifically plays, obviously, at the climax when you have Ratcatcher 2, who's basically calling all these rats to kind of go after Starro. Mm -hmm. And then we also get the great, I mean, we, we saw him a little bit earlier, yeah. but we get the nice cameo from Taika Waititi from Taika. playing the father. Uh, but the cool thing about that was uh, John Murphy did an interview where he talked about the influences and, you know, talking to James Gunn, what they want to do for it. Uh, one, the score has a very punk rock influence and you mm -hmm. can tell because there's so many riffs. It's, it's basically all guitar throughout the entire thing. Right. Uh, and then also he pulled some stuff from Ennio, from Ennio Morricone, the great Ennio Morricone. Italiano. Italiano. Italian, yeah. Who only has one Oscar. Only one. I don't know how that's possible, but. Idiot. Useless. But you can tell that in the film itself, uh, some of the scores could be in something like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Like mm -hmm. it just has that sort of feel to it. And then James Gunn obviously pulling from, you know, there's some a little bit of Western influence, and then as well as uh, this being somewhat of like a '70s war film. Mm -hmm. So it all has that feel in the score, which is why I just think it's it's one of my favorite scores that have been done in a comic book movie because it's just so different, and it just I love the influence that that they bring to the film. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, to go back to Taika Waititi. Um, there was so much secret around, like, oh, who's second gonna play? Yeah. Who's second gonna play? <laughs> and then when we see him in the beginning, the uh, when we first see him in the film, it's like this little flashback when Ratcatcher's talking about her dad, and like, there's no audio. It's just like you know, just quick little just, shots, just drug addict Taika. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. And then he comes back at the end of the movie to have like the most heartwarming moment yes. in the entire film, and you choke up. It's such a great moment. I'm like, ah, fucking Taika. <laughs> well, I also want to shout out. Um... Daniel Melkor, too, who plays Ratcatcher 2. She was incredible. She's fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's the first thing I've ever seen her in. I think this is her first, incredible. I think I read this is her first English language film. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I don't know what uh, nationality she is or what other movies she's acted in. Well, in the movie, she's Portuguese. She's so Portuguese, so maybe it's the same kind yeah. of thing. And she's kind of become the new Florence Pugh. Like when Flor when Black Widow came out and everyone was simping over Florence Pugh all over yeah. TikTok and social media, now she's like the new one. There's like all these fucking videos on TikTok of like, you know, people trying to like, like doing the, like, like, hey girl, let me talk to you. It's like, oh, are you, and it's like, are you serious, my brother? And it cuts to like something else. There was a really good one. It was like Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. When like Chuck E. Cheese was like her man that you couldn't like talk to or something. <laughs> I don't know. But now everyone are, is like simping over uh, Daniela Mel Melchior. But you know, she was great. She was great. And she definitely deserves it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then before we move on to negatives, again, just with the acting, because there's so many great actors in this. Uh, this is probably John Cena's best role. 
he came off so fucking flat in Fast Nine that I was just happy to see how he played the character. Obviously, he playing he's playing his goofy self, but then there's that obviously third act twist when he turns and he's pretty fucking menacing and yeah. pretty fucking scary when he's coming at you. And I really thought he did a great job. That's what I'm saying. This movie played to his strengths. Like yeah. John Cena, if you watch any interview, the dude's a goofball, right? Um, and you feel it. it's not like. It's not like someone. <laughs> this we might get some backlash here, but as much as I love Justin Timberlake, yeah, I think he's incredible. Like uh, acting, not so much, but I love his music. The dude in interviews just looks so socially awkward, yeah. and he could be like he's human. It's very possible. He's human, yeah. but he's so socially awkward in interviews, and I feel like he tries too hard to be funny. Yeah, all the time. John Cena doesn't like that. John Cena is like very just like charismatic. He's naturally he's, charismatic. He's just like yeah. he's very like silly and goofy, and I think he play he uses that to his strengths here when he plays Peacemaker. Yeah. And when you think of what he did in wrestling as being this, like, intimidating presence, he brings that in the he, third he act. He absolutely so brings that, yeah. it's not like, like we said, it's not like Fast 9 um, where he was just trying to be this hard-ass the whole time. Here, James Gunn really did a good job of casting him in this role and just used his, like, natural ability to his strengths. Right. And I thought he was great. Like, but I'm also a huge John Cena fan. Right, So, yeah. like, but, I yeah, I totally agree with you. This is hands down his best role. And I think it just, it's... One of the reasons for that is because he's just naturally, you know, playing into this role. Playing into his strengths too, mm -hmm. yeah. And oh, I'll say, did you see him at the premiere? He just was, he's like, he literally, every promotion he's done for this movie, he's worn the Peacemaker suit. Yes. And it's fucking hysterical. Love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, all right, Martin, let's jump into some negatives. Uh, did you have any specific, like, glaring issues with this movie? Not really, dude. To be honest, I really didn't. Um, I thought everything, even the moments that we said, like, I, to me, not not really any jokes fell flat. I think if there if there was any moment that was kind of like threw, threw me off a little bit was that Freedom Fighter camp scene. Yeah. Because they're just killing people who are literally 10 feet away from each exactly, other. It's like yeah. no one notices what's right. going no. on. Well, even when Polka Dot Man like collapses the fucking watchtower, it's yeah, like no one the, the camps, like, like the little tents right there will rick flags. You tell me you guys didn't hear that? Right. Like, but again, it's all being like, it's all being done under this sort of... Um, this like dick measuring contest between yes. Peacemaker and um, fucking Bloodsport. Bloodsport. Yeah. So like that was the bigger moment. Exactly. I missed everything that was going on. So it didn't really, if this was like a serious war movie, then yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. that's a little strange. Right. But again, all the stuff, all the crazy wacky stuff that James Gunn brought to this movie worked so well in the context of the film. The film was dialed to a certain point and it just it everything that happened in the film did such a good job of just matching that. Right. It was nothing. There was never really, really any moment that just went over the top. That was just crazy and uh, insane. That kind of turned me off. So, I mean, if I'm really, really like nitpicking, like there's really nothing that I can really that that, that bother me to be honest. Right. I mean, I, I don't have any glaring issues either. If anything, these are nitpicks. Uh, one of them was watching it. Uh, because I watched it a couple more times on HBO Max, uh, the stuff with Harley when she's dealing with like the president, it does slow like it does slow the film down a little bit. Yes, but, I agree. But there's agree such that. a good payoff to that when she like I think when she kills him and she's basically talking to him as he's dying, mm -hmm. I think is is even though it's it's sick and dark and twisted, I think it's just fantastic. It's a fantastic payoff for the Harley character, right? To see that, so that actually, yeah, like if we want to nitpick that that 
sort of music video romantic moment yeah. was a little it, off-putting. It, a lot of stuff goes on a little bit too long. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, it does slow down because you are moving at a certain pace, and that does kind of bring the movie to a halt. I also think it's, I think that's playing with your expectations a little bit too, mm-hmm. because none of I, the entire theater was shocked when this dude gets shot. Like, yeah, so I think it's going on for so long, and you're like, oh, so. What's going to happen? And all of a sudden he's dead. And it's like, what the fuck? And I'm really happy, dude, as much as I love the Harley Quinn show and as much as insane, bastard crazy as it is, I'm really happy there wasn't some like over the top sex scene with Harley. Yeah. I was like kind of, I was, I was a little like cautious. I'm like, oh my God, are we going to have some like insane sex scene? Like, I don't want this to be gratuitous. And there wasn't. There wasn't. Yeah. Thank God. Because that would (laughs) have, that probably would have turned me off a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you in that sense, you know, that, that, that scene was a little, um, uh, kind of like off-putting, you know? Yeah, and, and also like, and visually too is like a little off-putting. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then another thing for me, like like you said, like, not, like none of the jokes really fell flat for you. For me, there's some stuff that I didn't find like as funny as I thought the movie wanted me to find it as funny. Mm-hmm. Not that like it's it's horrible or that, you know, it's not amusing, but I almost feel like it, it's it's not as, it, the jokes didn't land like where they wanted them to land, for me right. at least. Uh, and then the last thing, it's, this isn't really a negative, but uh, the squad in the beginning that gets completely taken out before the main credits roll, I almost wanted to spend a little bit more time with them, you know, because yeah, we that see, would have been uh, that would have been fun because we see like Captain Boomerang go because Jai Courtney was probably one of the few positives from the first movie. I thought mm-hmm. he did such a good job; it's probably my favorite role that he's ever done. So to see him <laughs> yeah. kind of to see him kind of go, I know it's That's not, not a, saying I know it's so. not a long list, but <laughs> yeah. to see him go here kind of sucked. Uh, and then just some of the other characters didn't really get moments to shine like I thought they were going to. Like the dude that plays Javelin, I forget his name, but he's fucking hysterical. Oh, it's, it's something like, Borg. It's Flula Borg or something yeah, like that. Yeah. If you ever see him on Conan, he's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really get a moment to shine here. None of them really None do. None of them really do. Yeah. I mean, I think the one that really does is Nathan Fillion as, as uh, TDK, yeah. which is kind of hysterical. When he's way- getting his arm shot, yeah. he's like dying. <laughs> and Harley has the best, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I totally agree with I, I agree with that sense. Like it would have been nice to, or at least get like a backstory. Because it because ha- it happens so fast. Like they're literally, it's like two minutes. They're on the beach and they're getting slaughtered. Like and when that's they're it. when they're getting recruited. Like if you recall in the first movie, when they're doing the recruitment process, they go, they cut back to a scene of them doing something. Of doing something. Like yeah. that shot was killing the one guy. Right. Um, Captain Boomerang was robbing the bank. That's where you get the nice little flash cameo. Right. And stuff like that. So that would have been nice if we maybe just had a similar type of scene with those characters just to show off what they can do. That would have been funny too if they were really like mirroring like the first Suicide Squad with this one and then all these characters that we just got introduced just get offed. Yeah, that would yeah, yeah. be fun. And like, who cares? Mirror it. If it works, fucking mirror right, it. It doesn't right. matter. But uh, but yeah, that would have been nice to see because I, re- I distinctly remember and I don't know where this was. I don't know if it was fandom or what, but James Gunn clearly said like, Wait till you guys see what Weasel can do. Yeah. And he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. He just no. fucking drowns. He just drowns and then he comes back to life. And he comes end. back at yeah. the end, which was, oh, I, we're definitely going to talk about that. Oh, we have. Going yeah, back. That's going right. back. <laughs> Go, please go back. Going back to talking about, you know, the nerd sitting next to you. The one kid next to me, when Weasel comes back, lost his mind. So Weasel starts coughing. He's like, oh my God, is he alive? Oh my God, he's alive. Oh my God. Oh my God, he's alive. And I was like, Bro, relax. You found the biggest weasel fan in the world. Was there next was to you. a very good chance that this guy was like that weasel was his favorite character of all time, <laughs> and he was probably heartbroken at the fact that he got off in two seconds, <laughs> only for him to come back at the end, right. in like uh, in this bullshit post credits, right? At the right. End. But uh, but yeah, I mean that would have been nice to see. Um, but it's it was just. That was clearly just there to play into the whole don't get attached moment. Right, that anybody could die. And that's kind of why they killed off Boomerang because you would think he would be safe and the fact that he's not 
and he gets killed in the first five minutes. It's like, oh fuck. Well, if he goes, anybody can go. Yeah. So with that, trans- with that. transition, bro. Yes. Let, let's let's get into this. So I want to preface this by saying, me and Martin have a little bit of disagreements on not really disagreements because I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I hated seeing Rick Flag go. Yes. Because Kinnaman's so good in this role. Like, I think for most people, they did not like Rick Flag in the first movie. Because like it was well, I think some was, people he, are just turned off by Kinnaman's acting because the way he delivers his lines are a little weird. You know, like well, he's also Swedish too. Exactly. You know I mean? yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't really mind it. But why are you guys hating on the Swedes? I don't know, bro. But uh, but I like Joel Kinnaman. I've, I've always liked him. I've always been a big fan of his. The guy's a fucking stud. He is. That's a, that a gorgeous man. Yeah. And uh, and I was really upset to uh, and, and I'm with you, dude. The second they started fighting i'm like oh my god he's gonna like like, you know where it's going yeah well i mean with with kinnaman himself obviously suicide squad the 2016 version he's kind of saddled with some of the worst dialogue Mm -hmm. he's got some ridiculous scenes like where he's fucking eating a chicken leg at like 3 a.m in the morning you remember that scene like (laughs) just ridiculous stuff and then i see him on the first season of alter carbon i know you weren't too impressed by it i fucking love the first season of alter carbon i really do i I felt like it was just more the classic netflix um, style or substance but I, I I love it though and but I, I didn't I, hate I, it I, I, I thought he was great in it that was kind of where I really started to like him as an actor mm-hmm. and then but even even before that like I liked him in Run All Night mm-hmm. I thought he was great in that I never saw The Killing but people always go back to that saying that, that he's really good in that now he's got the show on Apple Plus uh, for all mankind which a lot of people really do enjoy yeah I've heard a lot of good things about I've heard show. a lot of good things about that too and then he comes in here and he gets the chance to sort of reinvent this character and he really is probably the in terms it's like you know we're following a group of villains he's the only legit good guy i think in this entire movie mm-hmm. so automatically you're rooting for him because of that uh i love the little friendship he has with him and harley there's a lot of nice moments between them especially the rain scene with the pixie songs which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie mm-hmm. they have that nice little look at each other even when in the beginning when they're on the beach they're they're kind of paired up so they have a really good you know, relationship and you kind of see Yeah, and you see when like when Harley hugs him and she won't let go. Yeah, she won't <laughs> let go. And then even he's, uh, his character, uh, he fought in the war with Bloodsport. Yeah. So you could tell a lot of people have respect for this character. Then he gets in this fight with John Cena and it's a really good fight. It's, it's a, a great really, fight. It's a great and fight. The, the helmet reflection was a callback to a comic. I can't, I could be wrong, but I, I swear it's in my brain somewhere that I've seen that in a comic. Yeah. In a, in I'm not sure if it was a Suicide Squad comic or another one, but it was, I have like a clear memory in my you know memory uh, data database of, of somewhere along with all the porn I've seen of like <laughs> that comic book panel of right. like people fighting off of the helmet reflection. and the reflection. Yeah. yeah, and it was done so well in this, yeah. in this one it was too. Awesome. They have a really brutal fight. It's it's very well choreographed, and obviously John Cena is no stranger to to this kind of stuff, so he's he's a pro at it. Uh, and, and it's it's extremely telegraphed when it's coming that Rick Flag is probably going to get offed here because right. as he's choking Cena, Cena picks up a piece of that porcelain, drives it right into his fucking heart. But the thing that I'm like, I'm kind of okay with, even though I'm not okay with it because I hate that we're never going to see Rick Flag again, is even though, and this is a nice little little parallel, physically, Peacemaker cuts him deep. But mentally, Rick Flagg cuts Peacemaker even deeper when he mm-hmm. says, Peacemaker, what a joke. And this is why I thought Cena did such a good job, because you see the look on his face. He didn't want to do it, but he was getting he was going to get killed, so he had to do something. And you just see how much that line hits home with him. Right, that, and I think it's heightened by what happens afterwards when she sees him. I think, I thought that moment was like, because like, like you said, it's kind of telegraphed. Yeah. But once we get that moment, if Ratcatcher actually seeing what was going on right. with the disc right in front of her, that's a moment that hit me. I was like, oh shit. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, like that That really hits home. And that that line that, that Kinnaman delivers, you know, Peacemaker, what a joke. Mm-hmm. First, the line delivery is great. 
And then, like I said, you just see the look on Cena's face after he says it. In terms of you, bro. Yes. <laughs> like, why do you? Why, why are you so like put off by that? Here's my thing. Okay, they try to kill him off, and that's fine. Okay, I think he could have lived, and he could have continued to go on and, and lead this team. I right. think there was still so much more Rick Flag we could have gotten. But me just be putting on my do 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 do, putting on my conspiracy hat for a second. Right. Um, I think the the studio wanted to wash a lot of the bad taste that a lot of these movies left in people's mouths. Like Suicide Squad was not received well, even though it made a ton of money. Right. Birds of Prey was not received, was somewhat like received well, but didn't make money. So I think just me, again, putting on my conspiracy hat, I think there was some sort of kind of indication there that they wanted to start new, that they wanted this to kind of be something fresh and a uh, sort of reboot, sequel mm-hmm. slash reboot. And this does, in a way, feel a little bit more of a reboot because it feels like its own movie. That's what I wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is really a sequel. This, yeah. this is kind of its own thing. And by and, and, and you know keeping that in mind, right. I do think there was some, there was maybe some sort of stipulation where you had to get rid of everyone who was in the old movie. See, I don't, I don't, I don't. Harley Quinn, that. obviously, we can't get no. rid of. No, she's got plot armor because she's, uh, yeah, she's got plot <laughs> armor and she's the money maker. Yes, everyone loves, like everyone's dressing up as Harley Quinn for right. for Halloween. Everyone loves the character. She's a huge. Uh, and it's also Margot Robbie. And you're not going Mar- to exactly, get rid of Margot Robbie. You're not going to get rid of Margot Robbie. Exactly. So, I do think that there was because, like I said, the death works in regards to the story or works in regards to the movie but i do think that there was a little bit of like you know a little bit of like i don't want to say desire but maybe just a, a a need to sort of like let's wipe the slate clean and let's start all over again and by so doing that mm-hmm. we gotta get rid of everyone so then okay. that way so by that stipulation work flag was his death was really well written into the movie because now Essentially, it's Bloodsport leading the team. You have Rat Catcher because a lot of people die. A lot more than I thought were going to die. Yeah, um, You're essentially, out of all these characters, you're only left with Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, King Shark. Um, and Rat Catcher. That's it. You're only well, left with four. Well, and Peacemaker. And Pe- well, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yes. he is getting his own show. He is getting his own yeah. show, right. And Peacemaker. But Peacemaker aside, you're only left with four. And I just feel like... like and, well, and Weasel too. <laughs> And we so yes, just my personal feeling, just my personal feeling. I think there's Rick Flag is such a major character in the Suicide Squad, and it's just I just think there was a lot more story that we could have gotten with him. Well, I definitely agree with you, considering that he is sort of the team leader, mm-hmm. and you know, I like in a way it's it's interesting because you know, reading Twitter, reading people's reactions. There was a lot, like way more than I expected, overwhelming support for how much people enjoyed Rick Flagg in this movie and how devastated they were when he got killed. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's, now you could say it, it made a bunch of studio mandate. I don't really, like I'm, I'm, I'm disagreeing with that because I think James Gunn did get to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. And I think in a way. I think he did what he wanted to do, but they were like, hey, let's start clean. Hey, uh, hey, come on. Uh, hey, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's, let's, a, it's, a, it's okay. Let's, it's let's okay. start clean. It's okay. You know? <laughs> but don't touch Harley. <laughs> She bleeds she money. Ble- <laughs> Fucking money. Fucking money. But in a weird way, it's it's sort of compelling to see how many people have gotten behind Rick Flagg. And I wonder if that response would have been there had he not died. You know True. what I mean? I That's wonder I wonder if this many people would have been rallying behind Rick Flagg if he wasn't such a tragic character. And also, too, I'm pretty sure in the in the Ostrander run. I think Rick Flagg dies in that run. I think he dies like halfway through. I'm not sure if uh, maybe I don't. 
like I'm very familiar with the more recent Suicide right. but even even in those like Flag has a pretty big presence right. like in a lot of the Suicide Squad comics that I've read over the years um yeah like he's he's, he's I know he's 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 the guy yeah and I mean and Cap, well Captain Boomerang's also there Deadshot's right. also there also there and they're nowhere to be found well bro it's fine the Flash is gonna reset everything and then we'll get him back oh my god if they do that it's gonna be so bittersweet because i'm gonna be so fucking pissed yeah but then we but get, saying, yeah, so but we get him back so oh he also has probably the best my favorite line in the movie who ate all the fucking everyone? yes <laughs> fucking killed me it's kind of like a little off-screen line it is just, it's so good but uh but yeah that's it that's just my kind of again conspiracy hat just belief that i think there was kind of a little like just sort of push not like a not so much a mandate but it was kind of like insinuated mm-hmm. to like gun like is there any way we can possibly just start clean? You can do whatever you want, but let's, let's just wipe the slate clean. Mm-hmm. Let's start off because we're trying to be new. We're trying to do new things. We're right. trying to like create a new uh, DC's, uh, Warner Brothers, DC's all over the place. So I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. I mean, it's um, I'm not, I'm not going to say no because mm-hmm. it's always possible. Yeah. Uh, but I just especially looked at it. Especially with this fucking studio. Especially with this studio for sure. But I just looked at it as James Gunn really playing with expectations and sort of going in different directions than you were to expect. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks because... Because I think he still could have had a powerful moment had he was left for dead. Yeah. Like that. And then and he com- survived. And then, and then comes back. I mean, right. I'm still banking. He might he might have survived. I know he got the thing in the Ooh. heart. No, but... I'm talking about uh, the same thing that happens with Peacemaker. He gets no, left for dead, but he comes back. Yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm thinking like, you know, you could have had something still where there was a collapse or something and everyone thinks he's dead, but he ends up coming back. Well, know? and that's the, that's the funny thing because in that post credit scene where they're like, oh, we f- they, they mentioned something about a heart still beating or something right. when they found him. So I think at the moment, everyone's thinking, oh, it's Rick Flagg. I was so excited. Yeah. I'm like, yes, he's back. Right, and, and then, then it'd be know. a fucking peace maker. And like, it's, oh. it's really interesting too because when they pan over to him, it, it looked like him for a second. Yeah. So I was like, yes. And then it took me a second to process. Like, it's like, oh, wait, oh it's, it's not fucking peacemaker. It's fucking God peacemaker. It. Goddamn piece of shit. But I wonder if that's what the show is going to play into. If it's going to play, obviously it's going to take place after the fact. And I have this sinking suspicion that, and, and you kind of see it throughout the film that he's kind of getting questioned the entire time about the type of person that he is and what he does and mm-hmm. how the whole doing it for Liberty is just a bullshit facade to just kill people for no reason. You know what I mean? So I wonder if, in his mind, especially after the whole Rick Flag situation, if that's just going to fuck with him and it's going to be like some sort of a redemption sort of journey for him to kind of do. Well, yeah, not necessarily killing people for no reason because right. he has a great line with um, Bloodsport and he's like, you're the one who kills people for money. And he's like, oh, look who's talking. And he's like, yeah, but I do it for liberty. Yeah. But now maybe. Um, but then he even says, he goes, I think that liberty thing is just bullshit. You can just kill people with that what you want, you know? Yeah, but now, yeah, but like you said, the. Uh, the Rick Flag comment really cuts. He's like, maybe I'm not doing it for a little. Maybe yeah. I really am fucked up. You know, right. Who knows? We'll see. But we'll see. Uh, all right, Martin. Time to score it. Time to score it. Score the Suicide Squad. I'm gonna go. See, this is so weird too, dude. Because if I just if I just base it off of just what I saw, to me there just wasn't much there that really that that like any really there wasn't too many flaws. To yeah. be honest with you, I just thought so much of the movie was great. Um, I put on my psychopath hat for a second at the end. I told you, yeah, I was all right. <laughs> just because I wanted to see how you would react. You did. But, I didn't give you a fucking reaction. Yeah. I was just like, all right. But uh, <laughs> but in reality, I did really enjoy the movie. I've already seen it. I've seen it again um, one and a half times because we put it on when we, we did, got back. Yeah. And then I saw it again um, the other night. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a um, I'm gonna go with a solid 9.2. I'm like right under you, bro. I'm 9.1. Yeah, man, 9.2. Um, to be honest, I didn't really have much issues with this movie, but if I were to nitpick, I do agree that some of the little jokes were a little excessive. Not necessarily that they didn't land because they did land for me for the most part, but some were a little excessive. Like, for example, 
like Bloodsport flipping off Peacemaker right after he kills the one dude, and Peacemaker does like a jerk off like that. Yeah, but I love that though. I know it's, it's good. That's what I'm saying. They're like those moments are uh, they're a little excessive, but they don't hurt the movie. Right, and they and they cause like for a nice reaction. Another one is like the King Shark mustache. Yeah, which is like yeah. kind of like random. I mean that that one for me really didn't land as much as I wanted it to, mm-hmm. but I still found it amusing just because it is King Shark. Right, but at the same time, some of these jokes, even though they didn't land, I don't think it hurt. The movie. No, it doesn't. You know, it wasn't no. like for me like a. Like my oh my nipples, like a Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> right, yeah. situation or anything <laughs> like that. Another one was kind of like the opening sequence um, when like everyone's getting the money handed out. It was a little over the top when everyone's like laughing and the the people are like dancing and shit. No, that's that that's very true. The only the only thing that I liked about that though was that it gave that whole control room somewhat of a personality. To be honest, I loved it. I loved I it loved too. I thought opening, it was so good. I love that opening credit, especially the one part when like the two girls are like. They're like shaking their tits because yeah. when they're getting the money. Yeah. And, but again, it's just like it's a little excessive and like you don't need it. But right. at the same time, it's like it's that. It's kind of like when James Gunn just like he almost doesn't know when to stop. Like, I know. He just can't kind of like tamper. Well, shit I down. also look at that as like those little moments that like years down the road, you'll go back and rewatch it and mm-hmm. you'll pick out like those parts as things that you actually like really love about. Them. Right. Right. But it's uh yeah. Again, I'm just simply nitpicking. Yeah. yeah at no, this I, hear, point. I hear you. And then uh, and then another one would be the fact that, again, how. Like I just said, James Gunn can oh, he he has to constantly have the sort of comedic um, through line going through the movies. Even in the serious moments, they get like sort of interrupted by jokes. So when Polka Dot is telling his story, and it's very serious and it's very dark of how his mom experimented on him and his siblings, and then they ask him like, "Where's your mother?" And he goes, "She's everywhere." And then we cut to like a, a point of view, and all the entire squad is like his mom. It's his mom. And yeah. even though it's hilarious, it yes. like automatically kills the moment. It does kind of kill the moment a little bit, but. It's okay because it is David Dasmachin who is underlying the number one fan of the FNRs podcast. Oh yeah, we had a conversation with him. We have a conversation with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. A couple months a, ago, he's a friend know, of ours. Hit us up in our DMs. He you know, likes some of our posts. He likes some of our posts. He you know, gave us a, he gives a polka dot heart emoji. He did. Like yeah, yeah. He David Dasmachin is uh, is the man. But uh, but just again, even though I'm nitpicking here, like all the moments where he, when the mom pops up, are yes, fucking. Hilarious. It is hilarious, especially in the club. It's the so club. weird. <laughs> it's so wrong, but it's hilarious. And then um, another one is just like the generic shit of your of like the kid seeing the dad on the television. I know, bro. It's like yeah, that's, my dad. That's, that's my dad. That's my dad. And I'm just like, Ugh. so like I kind of rolled my eyes at that moment. Again, nitpicking. But speaking of that's my dad, and speaking of Bloodsport, you can also make the argument that Deathshot and Bloodsport are like essentially the same characters. Like they have the same skills and they essentially have like the same motives in both movies. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I, obviously, if Will Smith wanted to come back, like if he said I want to come back as this character, mm-hmm. he would have been in this movie probably yeah. in that role. And we get, and we get Bloodsport, and it definitely is a Deadshot like character, but. I think Idris Elba does such a fantastic job. Yeah, that's what saves it in my I, I think that's what saves it yeah. too. Like, I think he does such a great job and makes this character his own. Like, I even love the fact that he hates rats. Like, to me, that's such a nice callback to like Indiana Jones of like this character that has such courage and, you know, ability to just run into any situation and do what he's got to do. But he has this fear of snakes. And that's, mm-hmm. to me, that was such a nice like thing that they did with with Bloodsport. I think it, it, it makes these characters kind of brings them down to like our level and makes right. them more believable as 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 fully fledged characters right know? and so yeah i think and it also leaves it they're open for if will smith ever wants to come back it does man yeah, so absolutely does. you know you can literally have another peacemaker Bloodsport like face off only with uh that shot uh, yeah in him so so yeah like little nitpicks like that um 
it's just literally just small things like here and there. Just like even there are so moments like again when Rat Catcher's telling the story about her dad. Yeah. That I was just like, okay, like this is you know, was, like there was so there were there were a couple of moments that were very um sort of like on the nose just to kind of give more context to the characters. Right. You know, like oh try, who, try to get like an emotional Right. It's like, oh, and who are you? And like, okay, let me tell you my backstory yeah. and stuff like that. So it's just little, little things that don't really that you know it's just it's nitpicking at this we're just right. talking shit because right. i think overall this movie's great and i really really enjoyed it and it's just it's you know it's it's hard to find a flaw so you really i just really got to kind of put it under under a microscope and just figure some things that i think probably could have uh worked better and uh yeah man 9.2 that's what i'll go with yeah man i'm i'm, I'm with you man i'm like i said i'm a 9.1 i think that you could argue that this is the best dceu movie Yes, I'm right now. I'm debating between uh, the Snyder cut and this. I kind of have it back and forth because I mean, are we talking about the overall DCEU? Like, what's gonna, what's going on? I mean, I don't know if I really want to get into that. All right, no, because I'm just, just because saying, I think we're gonna be here for another half hour discussing Warner Bros. And I think we've done it ad nauseum at this point. No, because I'm, I'm just saying like we don't know what this. I don't know what this movie is. I, I, I really don't. I don't know if it's. I don't know if this is a sequel. I don't know if it's a reboot. It feels like such an, it feels like almost like an Elseworld story. Yeah. Like right now, we don't even know what's going on with the overall DCEU universe. We don't know if things are connected or not, but this just feels like such a separate thing. It does. Even though it's got recurring characters, it feels like such a completely different um, world. I mean, in a sense. I would say even some of the characterizations, like obviously Harley is not the same type that she is in birds of prey you know what i mean or rick, suicide rick, squad. rick flag is not the same type of character like and even kinnaman i think i was reading an interview with him he said that he had free range to come in and reinvent the character mm-hmm. so that kind of tells you all you need to know right now about this this whole idea of of them saying well it's not a reboot and it's not necessarily it's it's a straight up reboot that's but exactly the, yeah what but it's, then it's, they it's, a drop, rein, it's a reinvention of the suicide squad but then they drop like batman's name in there i mean not batman no sorry, superman they drop in yeah. Su- but <laughs> we were joking around like which superman yeah the fucking michael b jordan superman the abram superman the abram superman or henry cowell because <laughs> like, the because it's just all over the place right now but i really don't care so much if if look if two or three years from now it turns out that they figure out how to make this they, to, to make it all stick to make it all work, work yeah. and be cohesive and great. But at this point, I'm just kind of kind of take these movies as they come. Right. Hopefully, they're good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with this. I'm yeah. Just start off. I'm not even gonna worry about you know like the overall because they they had a report not too long ago of how they're trying to make everything work and everything be connected. I don't care. I'm not I even know. like paying attention to that. I'm yeah. just gonna take these movies as they come. This one being the first one. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Well, I think we even said too, like like this movie, and then we have the Batman. In and we have in the terms of the next DC movie. So luckily, this one was very good. Hopefully, the Batman. But the Batman is, is even though Batman is supposedly on another Earth, another for, Earth, which is this is from the studio that said that Batman is going to take place. The Batman movie is going to take place on another Earth, so that's clearly going to be its own complete different thing. Right. Whereas this does have connective tissue to the other films. It does the other world. You know, like they've tried so hard. Not to be like Marvel, and mm-hmm. it failed. Then they tried to be like Marvel, and it failed. Yeah. So at this point, you know, after years of going back and forth, seeing the same bullshit, you know, just this, you know, we got a really great movie, and let's just hope we got another great movie. Whether it's connected or not, who fuck? I mean, cares? that's that's I'm, yeah. I'm in the same boat. That's how I'm taking it. Like, let's just get a string of hits from DC where they just keep making quality films. Yeah, and then just go from there. But yeah, the. The Suicide Squad, really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's probably going to go down as one of the better comic book movies that you can get in this genre. I think it really sets itself apart from a lot of other films uh, that that have come out. 
I don't think a lot of other studios will do movies like this. So I sort of, I don't even want to give credit to fucking WB because they had to do this. Like when, if they, when you get James Gunn, you're not going to tell him what to do. You're going to let him do what he wants. So I give James Gunn all the credit for sticking to who he is and making this movie the yeah, way he wants to why make we, it. Like, we say like when I see everything that Rick Famuyu has done since he left, when yeah. I see what Lord and Miller have done since they got kicked out. Yeah. Good for them. Like, I know. They don't, des- like WB doesn't deserve them. No. So. And, and in a, in a weird sick way, bro, I'm a li- I'm a little fucking happy that that the Suicide Squad underperformed for the sheer fact that WB is going to lose money on it. Oh well, I mean, I'm. <laughs> it's weird, bro. Isn't it weird because you're it's well, like, you're I you're being I love that you're being petty. Yeah, you're being a little being petty, so fucking being petty a little right petty now, yeah. bitch right now. Yeah, and I like that. I appreciate yeah. it because I I do enjoy a little pettiness every yeah. now and then. But at the same time, you you're rooting for someone like James Gunn. I know. I'm rooting for so, James Gunn. I'm rooting for Idris Elba. I mean, I'm rooting for these guys to have a hit. Well, that's know? actually we can use that as a great transition because the because right box office wise it didn't perform well it did not perform and i well. think there's a bunch of factors that go into this there's so many factors that go into this and i feel like not enough uh not enough outlets are reporting all these factors you know because you you look at just the franchise itself right suicide squad even though it made a ton of money was not re- well received by fans or critics then you have birds of prey which underperforms it has its it has a strong fan base mm-hmm. but it's a small strong fan base but still underperforms at the box office. Right. And it's not like, it's not critically. It's not critically great. Like it has a good RT score, but yeah, it's not it's like, like it's, a solid RT score. Yeah, it's not like it's anything. It's in like the 70s. But yeah. then you get to this movie. First of all, it's called The Suicide Squad. So in terms of the general audience, they don't know what the fuck this is. Right. It, and and look, uh, I'm sure a lot of movie people, a lot of movie fans are going to be listening to this. You guys got to remember the general audience are a completely different beasts. Right. It's not like just because you know that it's a Suicide Squad, your mother, your dad, your brother or sister, like a general audience, they might not know. Right. How many so, people are looking at this back? Like, well, I thought this movie came out like five years ago. Like, yeah. what is what is the Suicide Squad? And that squad? may sound silly when people hear you say that, but yeah. it's not. It's yeah, yeah. really not. Like, because it's, it's like... <laughs> I always, I always go back to like what my uh, what my one friend said after he saw The Force Awakens, who's just like a general audience. He's like, he's like, oh, I think they left it open for a sequel. And I'm like, yeah, bro, <laughs> <laughs> they definitely, left it for a sequel. they definitely did, yeah. And even like my brother who asked me all the time, he's like, wait, how many like so is Pattinson part of this? Like, what's going on? Right. You know, like there's a lot of confusion. There is, yeah, and uh, and yeah, I'm sure people see Harley Quinn. They see the Suicide Squad and they they probably like they don't make that connection right away. Exactly. Like you almost like I almost feel like it should have just been called Suicide Squad Two or have some sort of tagline. It should have to really differentiate itself from from the other the other you know, for from, starters from the first one man. Uh, another thing is that it really didn't have a big A lister like Will Smith to kind of pull in a lot of that general audience. You know what I mean? Like obviously. You know, Idris Elba and Margot Robbie are A-listers. I'm not taking anything away from them, but they're not box office. You know, they don't have that box office clout where they mm-hmm. can just pull in anybody. You're like, Will Smith has that. Will Smith could be in any sort of movie and he's going to pull a crowd. Maybe not as much nowadays right. as it was back then, but he can still pull a crowd. But I also think a lot of that was, I think the first one was just the excitement of seeing a new Joker. It was. Of seeing Harley Quinn. You had Quinn Jared the, Leto. You had Harley Quinn. For the yeah, first time, we're seeing a lot of action and then just, Quinn. I, But I think Will Smith, in term, especially international audiences too. I think Will Smith has that notoriety, that yeah, familiarity. Yeah. Like, oh, I know this person. So right. you, you always are kind of naturally just drawn to things that you know you know right. you go to a fucking restaurant that you don't know it could be some like international restaurant the second you see chicken fingers and french fries right you're automatically drawn to that right. because like, that's what I you know like, it's like oh i like that <laughs> i know that i'm gonna stick i'm gonna be basic and i'm gonna stick with it so yeah. i do think will smith has that sort of familiarity with with all t- types of audiences but i do think that a big part of the of the first suicide squad film was that excitement of seeing like a brand new joker right of seeing harley quinn for the very first time 
And yeah, I mean, keep it, also, going. it also had good trailers too. It like had the, really the first, great trailers. The first movie had really good trailers. Really good trailers yeah. Got people fucking hyped. Uh, and then with this one, you also have to deal with the pandemic, mm-hmm. regardless of, of of many people saying, "Oh, well, you know, look at this movie that opened up at this." Look. Right now, we're at a time where it feels like it's getting worse and worse and worse, mm-hmm. and not in terms of like as bad as it was last year, but you could tell there's a lot of trepidation about a lot of things now. People are going back to wearing masks. Uh, things are starting to close down now. You know what I mean? Certain countries are shut down still that that I think a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, Delta, so th- Delta's back. So that fucks up the, the, the international numbers. Mm-hmm. And then you also have HBO Max, which is a factor because it was available day and date. Thursday at 7, Suicide Squad was available for you to watch. And I know a lot of people that I saw on Twitter were posting how they watched an HBO Max. Yeah, and HBO Max, what I just recently saw was that it had a surge in downloads this week. It did. And that's probably because of the Suicide Squad, because right. they wanted to see it. And I personally know people who went to see Black Widow in theaters, right. but saw Suicide Squad in on HBO Max. Yes. And I think regardless of, you know, it is still, to this day, there is still a stigma around DC movies. There is. There still is. There you know, our buddy is. was saying, our buddy was saying, of ours was saying that too, like uh, when the Suicide Squad got a good RT score, he was like, is this like the first good suit, like DC like the movie? the first good DC movie? Yeah, yeah. like, and I and that's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate that, that there is still a stigma. Um, I get it. I get why though. I totally understand. But yeah, it's a whole bunch of factors that I think played into this. And to go back to what you were saying of how they didn't really have like a proper A-lister to sell the movie, I also think that Warner Brothers relied a little bit too much on James Gunn's name. They, I think they, they did because James Gunn was at, really at the forefront yeah, promoting the shit. Out it of this was movie. all like from the mind of him. It was all written and directed from James Gunn. Yeah. I think from the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And again, it's just uh, it's. I do think we are now in a day and age of directors putting butts in seats. Right. You know, I do think that you know, uh, it's not like the late nineties where or whatever when Arnie or Will Smith would put. Your button. See, now it's more like you know Tarantino's name, Nolan's name, right. Villeneuve's name. You throw that shit on there, it's gonna draw a crowd. Or the franchise if it has a good exactly, good repertoire, exactly. You know? yeah. It's all it's all you know directors and brands. Right. That's really what it is. And I think they leaned a little bit into that too much. They really sold James Gunn's name based off of his you know familiarity and popularity with what he did over at Marvel. And I think that backfired on them a little bit. I think so too. Yeah. So I think there were a lot of factors that went into the poor box office. But I think out of all those, I think the biggest one was the fact that it was free on HBO Max. Yeah. I think that just opened it up for so many people to watch from home, whether they were trepidatious about you know going back out there amidst these coronavirus reports, whether it was like you know like oh the first one wasn't good, like there was just so much right. holding like, like, people like, like back. I'm not gonna pay to see this one. I just I'll watch it on TV. That's it. Yeah. There was just so much shit holding people back from spending money at the movie theaters when they can just watch it from their couch. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that we've discussed at nauseum about how these streaming movies are going to affect box office moving forward. And it's, and you know, it's, it's going to create, if, if the numbers are good and HBO max does like, and whoever's in charge of this appreciates it. Yeah. It's not going to stop. They're it's just not going to stop. Yeah. They're just going to, you know, black widow made a shit ton of money on Disney plus. I can't believe that. I mean like, what, like 30 million or something like that. I think that? it was like 60, million. Oh, 60 million. Yeah, 60 right. million. It's opening. Weekend. It was 60 million yeah. it's opening weekend. That's insane. That's insane. That is insane. So, from like a business standpoint, it, it like it works, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I think it's um I think it's gonna keep happening. It's gonna keep happening too. And and the other thing that I think a lot of people aren't taking into account is the fact that because it's on HBO Max, 
how many people are you sharing your account with so they can watch the Suicide Squad exactly. that, that don't have it? I think there's a lot of that. And then there's also the piracy factor too, because now you have where you wouldn't in a, in a, in a non-COVID, non-streaming type of climate that we're in. If this was just a normal year, like go back to 2019, 2018, mm -hmm. if I saw The Joker, right, in October when it came out, if this was on HBO Max, I'd be able to download a fresh HD copy. Right. Whereas in October, it coming out for the first time in theaters, I can't get shit online. And by you saying I, you personally, because I know you do that a lot. I don't know. I don't know. Relax, relax. It's okay. Take, take it's it easy. Okay. Take, take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> but but that's the truth, though. Like, like I'm sure the piracy numbers this year are going to be insane because of how many people have just illegally downloaded these movies. Right. And that's another thing that asks that is when you look at the drop-off on Disney Plus for something like Black Widow. Literally. Yeah. All these people buy me personally. Also, like I buy Disney Plus, my family shares my account. Right, they all see it. Yes, so it's literally one person paying thirty dollars, and instantly six people are watching. Exactly. It. So it's like that notion as well. And like you said, people are gonna be like um, downloading it, ripping it off online, sharing right. it to other people for free. That's what I mean, and that's and that's that's what drives me nuts about a lot of these these news outlets because nobody talks about because it, it doesn't fit the agenda. It doesn't fit the agenda that whether it's theaters are dying or you know, DC sucks and they can't, you know, they can't get anything right. Like none, like none, I don't see anybody talking about what we just talked about. What are they talking about? They're talking, that's like what I just said, whether it's theaters are dying or, or it's the future is streaming or that DC is trash and they, oh, can't they do don't anything say right. why they don't say why, you know what I mean? They don't go, they don't go into that kind of stuff. That's, Whatever, that's what I'm, what I'm saying. And that's, that's why, but that's why we're here, bro. Yeah. We're here to give it to you straight. Best source of movie news right here, ladies and gentlemen. Right. You can come here once every other month for your source of movie news. <laughs> Maybe once every other month. Uh, but, you know, after after all of that, my hope is that people will find this movie because it is fantastic. I think this is probably the best case scenario that you could have asked for mm -hmm. with a franchise that wasn't doing too hot. And by franchise, I mean specifically the Suicide Squad. Having James Gunn come in, knock it out of the park. It gets great reviews. The people that have seen it really do like it. So the hope yeah, is I'm that- Yeah, I'm surprised the iron score is a little low. I thought it'd be, well, I'm I thought sure, it'd be higher. I'm sure, I'm sure the- Oh, that's what I was angry about. Oh, I'll try to keep it short. That's I'll try to keep it short. Well, I've, if I was to, to talk about that, I would think that you know there are just some people that the R rating is going to turn off for the type of movie it is, for the type of violence that there is. Not everybody does like that. That's just not people's cup of tea. So they might give a bad score because of that. And the other thing is, is that, and my brother even brought up a good point. He goes, the movie's fucking wacky. It's a wacky fucking movie. Yeah, it's, well, it's, James it's Gunn, weird. Man. It's wild, but I don't think you know the general audience, bro. Some people aren't accustomed to that. Like this is not Guardians, James Gunn. This is James Gunn, James Gunn. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that that a lot of that plays into it. But even still, bro, a lot of people are loving this movie. Right, but I also think kind of like we were talking about when we were just going off about all the issues with Green Knight. Again, you had people who are ready to not like it because you had a Marvel director coming like all these dc fanboys oh i don't want like a marvel director well you have some of those fucking crazy snyder cultists that were review exactly bombing the movie. Yeah. exactly who are just mad at the fact that someone who did a marvel movie is coming over to dc world and you have those marvel fans who are mad that one of their own went to do a yes, dc movie yeah, yeah. so like you have these two groups of people who are probably just going to go on there and fucking shit on the right. movie. so yeah, I expect the I expected the iron score to be a little higher, but I'm not surprised, and I'm sure a lot of those factors that we just talked about played into it because there's it's happened before. Yeah, there's oh, countless yeah, uh, like occasions when that has happened, and uh, and just one more thing that I want to say, Warner Brothers. I know you listen to our podcast. I know you do. Okay, I know you come in every other month, like I just said, and and checking on what we're saying. Relax. 
Okay, fucking relax. It didn't probably make the numbers that you thought it did, mm-hmm. but relax. It's okay. Don't, don't freak yeah, out. Don't course correct now. Don't freak out. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, we even we we let him do whatever he wanted, and even him, this Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy director, couldn't deliver, and we're still broke. What is going on? <laughs> course correct. Course correct. Course correct. Relax. Yeah. Fucking relax. It was a great movie. Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X. Fucking Rodgers. Relax, okay? I think it's fine. Don't now go into all your other movies that you have in production and try to like change shit last fuck second. Fuck with shit, yeah. Yeah, we know we saw Aquaman and we saw the Snyder Cut. Clearly, you got you got in there and you started messing with shit. You guys shit. fucked with stuff, yeah. Yeah, so fucking relax. Just focus on your movie one step at a time. Give us more great films and then just watch like reap the benefits in the yeah. end. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say you you have you have an uphill battle right mm-hmm. now. You know what I mean? You are trying to change people's perspectives on DC. And the only way you do that is by making good movies. That and was, word of mouth. That, that was the other thing we didn't even bring up too. Another reason that could have factored into the Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman 84 was not good. No, it wasn't. And that was the last DC movie that well, we got. Well, that's what we spoke about because I think when the fandom event came out, I think Warner Bros. was feeling themselves a little bit. They went, you know, they had this event. They talked about all their plans, all these things. I think they were very confident in Wonder Woman 1984. Yep. So they went into, you know, post- DC fandom, they were feeling themselves. That movie didn't do good. Right. They were expecting it to perform. It didn't. And then you had the Snyder Cut, which they low-key wanted to fail, but it didn't. So it right. just completely... And they still... They, that's the only movie where they won't release official numbers Yeah, because for, they is, know how good it, it is. It probably did really well. And, and they just really, don't want to let people and they, know. And they're so stubborn, and they just don't want to admit that they fucked up again. Yeah. And it's like, they're like, oh shit, we fucked up with 80, Wonder Woman 1984. Three months later, oh shit, we fucked up again with the Oh shit, cut. the Snyder Cut's actually good? Yeah, what? and they just don't want to admit it. And it's just fucking studio, corporate, stubbornness, greed, whatever you want to call it. But look, just relax. Yeah. I know these numbers aren't sexy. These um, box office numbers aren't sexy, but like the movie's great. Keep doing, you know, let Mushier do his thing. Let Juan do his thing and just give us more good films. Yeah, do not do not fuck with Matt Reeves at all. Yeah, don't at go. At all. Yeah, don't don't be like, oh, the first Suicide Squad movie made a lot more than this one opening weekend. All right, that doesn't mean you have to go back and make other movies like the fucking Suicide <laughs> Right. You don't have to do that. You know, if these outlets are saying all these bullshit things, don't listen to them, okay? Yeah. Just make your own movie. Make them good. And like I said, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, See how you can build from that. If it's bad, go, you've revamped yourself like yeah. five fucking times already. Who, what's another? I know. What's what's another revamp? You know. And if it's good, all right. How can you build off of that and move forward? For sure. Very simple. But obviously, <laughs> Warner Warner Brothers, bro. I know. Warner Brothers. Fucking Warner Brothers. Uh, but all right, Nerds Nation, that will do it for our review and discussion on The Suicide Squad. Make sure you guys follow us on all of our socials, keeping an eye out for that big, beautiful FN logo. And uh, with that, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Hand. <laughs>